comes to us today from the book of Acts, chapter, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. If I could kindly ask you to stand with me together for the reading of God's holy word. And this is what God says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all these things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any needed had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Amen. Uh, let me pray first. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for thank you for this blessed Sunday, for allowing us to come together to worship you, um, just to give you praise and to be reminded of uh, the faithful God that we, we love and worship and to be reminded of the amazing love and kindness that we have experienced, that we have received. And Father, we pray today as we think upon more of your grace, as we think upon more of who you are and who we are, uh, that we would just respond with worship unto you. We pray that as we delve into your word and think about what you are saying to us today through your word, that we would again be blessed and that we would be encouraged, we would be convicted, and that we would respond with joyous praise and worship unto you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're, we're uh, I think, talking about the church. I think Pastor Francis, last couple of weeks, has been uh, preaching about the church. And, uh, you know, he, obviously, you know, we talk. And he, you know, he let me know which direction he was going and said, you know, your next sermon would be good to obviously talk about that same topic about the church. And so I was praying about it and thinking about it. And, you know, this, this passage, very famous passage, came to mind as I was thinking about, you know, what would be a good passage to think about the church. And this, this, this passage, you know, it's, it's a picture of the early church. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's not a passage that gives you all the ins and outs of all the problems they had or all, you know, every little part of their church life. But, you know, in, in these few verses, we just get a picture of really the early church, right? The first church that was, you know, established after, you know, Christ's ascension and uh, and obviously the, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we, we see in the book of Acts, right, we see, we see something just incredible happening. Obviously, you know, Jesus has died. He has risen again, right? He, he rose from the dead. He, he, you know, he spent those 40 days, you know, really teaching before he ascended. After his ascension, you know, there's the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then we see that promise coming into fruition. And obviously in, in the Acts chapter 2, it's like an incredible thing. And then we see... Just, you know, the, you know, the apostles really ministering uh, after being filled with the Spirit. And, and then we see, we see, you know, just a, just a powerful sermon, you know, preached by, you know, by Peter. And we, we see people that they were just cut to the heart, right? I think in the, in, in a little before our passage, in verse 37 of chapter 2, they heard, 
you know, this sermon, and they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And obviously Peter tells them to repent and to be baptized, right? Everyone of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we see people coming to Christ. We see, you know, everything's so new. Everything is so fresh, right? And actually, you know, when, what we read in verse 41, right before our passage, is that the people who received his word and were baptized and were added to that day were 3,000 souls. Right? We're talking about a revival. Right? We're talking about you know, 3,000 souls accepting Christ right? as, as Lord and Savior. We're seeing a revival. And so after all these things are happening, obviously we're going to get the first church, right? Um, the first Christian church in this sense, right? The early church is forming, and so what Luke is showing us in this passage is a picture of what the early church looked like, right? This fresh, exciting, you know, church that, is, that has developed, you know, in, right after Christ has ascended. And as we look at this picture, I think we see a few things that, you know, that are very appealing. We see a few things that are very attractive, but really we see a few things that I think are important for us to think about because I think we see a few things that are important to being a healthy, growing, worshiping church. And so as we look at this passage, I, I hope we can just think about the church, the early church here in Acts chapter 2, and think about how we as a church can also be you know, a healthy, vibrant, growing church in Christ. And so as you look at the passage, there's really just, you know, kind of four things I want to focus on, mostly coming out of verse 42, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And really, so four points, as opposed to the typical three, I guess, right, will be devoted devotion to teaching, devotion to the fellowship, right? devotion to the breaking of bread, and devotion to worship and prayers. So let's just think about those four things, just four very important things in the life of the church today. And the first thing here is being devoted to the apostles' teaching, right? Being devoted to the Word of God, being devoted to doctrine, right? And I think this is, you know, it comes first because it just shows how important it is. If you think about the church here in Acts chapter 2, you have to realize they don't have our Bible. Right, we have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament, and you know it, it, it's an awesome thing to have. Obviously, back then they had the Old Testament, but there was no New Testament. Right, Christ had just ascended. Right, and here the apostles were, and for for these new Christians to know about Christ, to know what it means to be a Christian. Right, actually the word Christian hasn't even you know, been coined yet, right? They, just call, they call themselves brothers, right? A little bit later, they'll say followers of the way. The word Christian actually doesn't come until Acts 11 in Antioch. And to be honest, when the word Christian is first used, the word Christian just means little Christ. It's not even used in, in a nice way, right? It's, it's kind of used in, in, in a not, not very nice way at first, I guess. But these, these believers, obviously after Christ has ascended, you know, they, you know, they need to know what does it mean 
for, for me to be a follower of Christ? You know, what does it mean, all these things that Christ has done, right? What does it mean, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit? How do I live my life? You know, I mean, you know, if, if, I was, if I'm Jewish, right, like now if I'm a Christian, what do I still do as a Jew? What do I not? I mean, there's, they probably have so many questions about, you know, what God wants for them and who they are, but all they had was the Old Testament. And obviously we know that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and so they needed to understand a lot of things. And who did they go to? Their go-to people were the apostles, right? They didn't have the New Testament, right? They didn't have Calvin's Institutes, right? They didn't have books of theology, things that we have that we can go to. They had the apostles, the apostles who had spent three years with Christ, being taught by Jesus himself, and obviously after Christ's, you know, his resurrection, he taught them again before he ascended, and he taught them a lot. He taught them about how the whole Old Testament is fulfilled in Christ, points to Christ. He told, taught them so many different things that the apostles are now teaching these disciples, right? These followers of Christ, these Christians, they're teaching them, and so they're hungry, right? It says here that they were devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They wanted to know. They loved learning about who God is. Right? They learned learning about who they are. They loved learning about who Christ is and what he wants for them. And so they probably just is devoured the teaching of the apostles. And that's how they grew, right? That's how they were able to grow because you needed the teaching. And so for us today, as I think about that, obviously we don't have apostles, but what we do know is the apostles, right, and the people that the apostles influenced, I mean, they, they wrote the New Testament. Right? We don't have the apostles with, but we have the apostles teaching, and it's obviously in the 27 books of the New Testament. And so we have the whole of Scripture, all 66 books. And so what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? It means what do we need to do? We need to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. We need to be devoted to God's Word. We need to be devoted to learning about God and what He has in mind for us. We need to be devoted to learning the Scriptures. And so for us, we have God's Word. We have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. And so as a people of God, we shouldn't just be reading the Word, but we should be clearly, truly devoted to the Word of God. I mean, this is an important thing because honestly speaking, you know, when I speak to Christians, so many Christians that I talk to, they don't, you know, forget devotion to the Word. They don't even read the Word of God, right? And it's, you know, it's actually sad if you think about it because, you know, for us today, obviously we have physical Bibles, but also I would say probably all, if not you know, most, if not all of us, probably have a Bible app on our phone, we, you know, we have, you can access it through the internet, obviously, anytime we want. I mean, the, the Bible is so accessible to us here in the United States, and yet, if we're honest, a lot of us, we don't even want to read the Word of God. But even if you read the Word, how many of us actually are devoted? How many of us are studying the Word of God? How many of us are hungry for what God has to say to us through His Word? And unfortunately, I think a lot of times, we're not that excited, 
right? How many of us are excited when we come to church on Sunday to just really hear the Word of God being preached so I can really just learn and listen and grow, right, be fed? How many of us are excited about a Bible study? How many of us are excited about doing a devotional, right, or maybe getting a study Bible or maybe getting a good Christian book and really studying? A lot of us aren't, to be honest. But I think it's so important that we have a healthy diet of the Word of God, right? You know, when you go to the doctor, you know, obviously, they always ask you the same questions, right, about, you know, for your health. They say, you know, how's your diet, your exercise, rest, all that stuff. And, you know, and obviously a lot of times the doctor will rebuke you, right, say, oh, you got to eat healthy, you got to do this and that. You know, but if you're thinking about a spiritual checkup, I think one of the first questions to ask is, what is my diet? What am I intaking? What am I reading? What am I watching? What am I listening to? And it, do I have a constant diet of the Word of God? When I come to church, am I excited? Am I excited to be devoted to the Word? You know, whether I'm preaching or Pastor Francis is preaching, am I saying, Lord, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be fed. I want to worship you. And I'm hungry to hear the Word of God being preached. Because that's what a sermon is. A sermon is not the preacher saying, hey, I'm so smart. Let me tell you my wisdom. A sermon is a preacher saying, this is what God's Word is saying. How does it apply to us today? How many of us are excited about a Bible study? How many of us are excited about reading the Word and studying and maybe getting a study Bible and just really wanting to focus and really wanting to grow? And I guess my encouragement this afternoon, first and foremost, is we want to be a church that is devoted to the Word of God. You know, I remember growing up, I actually did read the Bible a lot, not because I wanted to. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid, and my parents didn't really stress me and my sister out too much about, you know, studying per se. Uh, we tended to do pretty well in school, and so they didn't pressure us too much. But there was one thing was they really wanted, they pressured us when it came to spiritual matters. And with the Bible, I remember growing up having to read the Bible, having to memorize the Bible, having to write the Bible, right? When, you know, at one point, they tried to make us write it in Korean, and they made us write it in English. And, and, you know, and obviously, you know, as a kid, as a teenager, you're not happy about these things, right? Your, your parents pushing you. But even now, as I think back upon those days, I'm so grateful, right, about having been almost forced to read the Word, being, you know, knowing those Bible stories and God using it later in life really to move my heart. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I was forced to memorize some of these passages, some of these verses that really help, have helped me throughout my life. And I guess really what I'm trying to say is I really hope, I pray, that as individuals, that as a church, one of the marks of our church will be a devotion to God's Word, both in the corporate setting, right, but also in the individual setting, that we will be hungry, that we will want to eat the Word, that we will want to dedicate ourselves to studying the Word and growing in His Word. But not only did they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, but they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And I think that's, you know, it's interesting, right? Because the word fellowship, I think, is one of maybe the most misused <laughs> words that we, you know, because we, whenever we want to hang out, we say, oh, we're having fellowship. Right? That's generally what people do, right, in the church. It's fellowship time. Fellowship time, all it just means is I'm just going to hang out with you. I'm going to grab a meal with you, maybe get some coffee and donuts, right? You know, I'm, you know you're gonna, we're going to go play sports together. Everything's fellowship, right? As long as I'm hanging out with you, everything is fellowship. And there's some truth to that, I guess, but 
the word fellowship, koinonia, really just means you know, sharing in common with, right? Having things in common. And so obviously Christian fellowship then is, well, what do we have in common? It's, it's Christ, right? Our faith is what we have in common, right? What is the thing that bonds me and you? What is the thing that bonds all of us together? It's, it's our Savior, right? It's Christ. It's our faith. And so our connection is in Christ. So then it says here they're devoted themselves to fellowship. So really what this is, it's working out, fleshing out what it means for us to be a family in Christ. Right? It's, it's fleshing out what it means for us to be partners in Christ, to have sharing in common our spiritual connection as the family of Christ. And so in the rest of the passage, we see parts of it, right? Verse 44, they believed and they were together. They had things in common. Verse 45, they were even, this, this generosity, selling their possessions, belongings, distributing the proceeds to anybody who had need. They, day by day, they were attending the temple together. They were breaking bread in their homes together. They were eating and you know, receiving their food with glad and generous heart. They were praising God together. And so what do we see here? We see a lot of one anothering. Their fellowship, their spiritual connection, what they have in common in Christ, what are they doing? They're saying, you know what, let's eat together. Let's break bread together, right? Let's praise the Lord together, right? Let's, let's keep meeting together. You know, they met every day. I don't know if you realize this. I think for us sometimes we think, you know, being a Christian just means we meet together once a week on Sunday. And, you know, if I'm really dedicated, maybe I'll meet twice a week, you know, at a, at a community group or something, right, or some kind of other kind of Bible study or some kind of prayer meeting. You know, they, they met every day. Now, that's not to say that we all need to meet every day. That's not, that's not the point. But obviously in the Word of God, we see it's pretty clear that we should be in the habit of meeting each other often. And so... In their fellowship, they want to meet. In their fellowship, they want to praise God together. But also, they want to help each other out. You know, when I look at this passage, I know some people have actually pointed to passages like this to talk about how the early church seems like Christian, like communism or something, and it's not. Right? There was nobody forcing anybody. There was no government or even church government forcing anybody to sell things. They, they clearly have private property. But what we see here is not forced giving. It's not forced sharing, it's generous sharing. There was a desire, right? Because, you know, if I'm being devoted to the Word of God, obviously it means I love God. But also, if I'm being devoted to the Word of God, it means I also love my neighbors, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so in this devotion to fellowship, this is my family in Christ. There was a desire to meet with each other, to eat with each other, but also to help each other out, to serve one another, to encourage each other, to help each other grow in Christ, but also whatever physical needs you have, how can I bless you? How can I love you? How can I serve you? How can I encourage you? And so what people would do is, because there were a lot of poor people around them in their, in their family, they say, you know what, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to sell my own possessions and to bring it so I can, you, I can help you. I could bless you. Not, no, no one's forcing me, but it's a desire that I have. Right? Because, because of their fellowship. Because they are a family in Christ. I mean, think about it. When I think about family, it's sacrificial. Right? Most of us, right, or a lot of us, we probably are in families where 
we don't even think about it. If my brother, if my sister needs something, if my parents need something, if my children need something, we say, I'm there for you. Physically, emotionally, right? Time, money, effort, whatever I need to do, here I am. And we are a family in Christ. We share a lot in common, beginning with Christ, right? Because I have fellowship with, with God, right? I have fellowship with Christ. And because of that fellowship that I have with him, I now have fellowship with the body of Christ. And so we are bonded by the blood of Christ. We're bonded in Christ. And hence, this fellowship is important that we want to bless in any way that we can. And so they are working that out. And one of my hopes, my prayers, my desires would be that as a church, not only would we be devoted to the Word of God, but we would also be devoted right, to, to fellowship, to one anothering, that we would want to know what's going on with you. We would want to and desire to pray for one another. If somebody has a physical need that you know, needs to be met, that we would desire to meet that need. If somebody has a spiritual need, that we would desire to meet that need, that we would want to eat together, we would want to get into each other's lives and speak into each other's lives, that we would want to be side by side, serving, sharing, praying, growing together in Christ. And, you know, and that's been a blessing, you know, for, even for our family. I remember as soon as we got to Sojourner, uh, the pandemic hit. And so that was kind of a bummer, actually. It was hard to get to know people in that kind of setting. But even though we felt like we were so new and didn't really know a lot of people, I remember for our family, it was such a blessing because, you know, our, our second child was born a couple months after we got here at the Sojourner. And next thing we knew, we had people from our church. Some people that we had even never met, we felt like bringing us food, you know, you know just to help us out for like a month. And I remember, you know, talking you know, with Hera, and we were just so blessed. And we said, you know, it's actually crazy, you know, because in a lot of churches, they'll do it for like a week or so, or maybe two. And it was, I think it was actually over a month. I forget how long it was. It was a long period of time. And we had all these people just... You know, emailing us, calling us, texting us, and just bringing the food over, and just really helping us out in just a time of need, right? In a time where everything was, you know, was, was, was tough. And I remember being reminded that's, that's part of what Christian fellowship is. You're saying, how can I bless you, right? Because we, as the people of God, we have been so blessed. As we think about what Christ has done for us, we have been so blessed, and we want to say, Lord, how now? As I have been blessed, can I bless this family in Christ and in the, in the Christian fellowship to really work out my faith, to know that we have Christ in common and to be a blessing. And so we want to be devoted to God's word, but also we want to be devoted to the fellowship. And then thirdly, we see here in the passage, they're devoted to the breaking of bread. Now, there's some debate here about this. Uh, you know, some, some scholars will say they're talking about just eating together. And, you know, and some scholars will say, you know, you see the definite article, the, the breaking of bread so is really, you know, referring to communion. Uh, I take it more, I mean, I think in this passage we see both. You know, there is devotion, obviously, to eating together. But also, I, but I think in this verse 42 especially, there seems to be more of an emphasis toward communion, right, towards the Lord's Supper. And if you look at the early church, you know, they would actually eat together and then go into communion, it seems like. But 
we see the devotion to the breaking of bread, you know, to not just eating together, which is important, but also to participating together in the Lord's Supper, in communion. And that's it's important because, you know, we hear the Word of God being preached so through our ears. We hear the gospel, and we are blessed as we are reminded of the death, the resurrection of Christ, right? As we are reminded of how blessed and loved we are in Christ. But it's one thing to hear the Word of God being preached. It's another thing, obviously, where God uses the sacrament, right? But God uses the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper, for us to be reminded of how our Lord and Savior, his body was broken for us, or how his blood was shed for us. And as we participate in the Lord's Supper, as we participate in doing that communion, again, with the body of Christ, with the fellowship of believers, it is a way that we are truly blessed, right? Where we are worshiping him through this, but also where we can rest upon Christ and where we are reminded of the gospel. You know, so I remember there was a time in my life where I remember thinking, man, you know, if I ever become a, you know, a senior pastor, I'm, I want to I do communion every week, right? And, you know, just really just be in there. And I remember talking to some other brothers, other, other pastors, and they try to give me the wisdom of saying maybe that might not be the best idea. I actually think what we do as a church is kind of a good medium, right? Just once a month, we know, first week of the month, that we're going to participate together right, in communion, that we are going to come together after the preaching of the Word of God, after hearing the gospel being preached, we are going to visibly see what that means as we participate in the bread and the cup, where we say, you know, this is the body of Christ broken for us. This is the blood of Christ that's shed for us for the remission of sins. And it is, it's important that we're devoted to the apostles' teaching, through the Word of God. We're devoted to fellowship and blessing and loving and serving one another and obviously being devoted to the breaking of bread. But lastly, we see this devotion to prayer, to worship, by devoting to meeting together for worship and to the prayers. This was a praying church. This was a worshiping church. I think it was Pastor Francis, I think a couple weeks ago, he was saying, and maybe I'm wrong actually, but the way I recall it, I think he was saying that, you know, in churches, the least congregated meeting in the church tends to be the prayer meeting, right? I think, that, I think he said that or, you know, quoted that from somewhere. And I think it's true, right? It doesn't matter what church I've been to for the most part. I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get people to want to come to a prayer meeting, right? Uh, I remember when I was in seminary, I was in my dorm, and they said, oh, we have like a weekly prayer meeting. And so the first week I went, pretty much everybody showed up first week, right? I was like, oh, this is great, right? Like, you know, we had like a guy's floor and a girl's floor. It was a very small dorm, and there was probably only, I forget, maybe like 15, 16 of us, right? And, you know, and so everybody got together, brothers and sisters, and, you know, and maybe like, I would say three quarters of us were there, and I remember thinking, oh, this is great, every week. We're going to come together, sing a couple of praise songs. We're going to pray together. You know, you know, it's a seminary life, right? And then I remember like a month into school, there's like two people, maybe three people, right, at most at these prayer meetings. And, you know, sometimes I wouldn't go either. And it was funny, right, because I was thinking, man, like here we are. You know, we're, we're studying in seminary. We're studying the Word of God. And, you know, and we want to 
really preach the word and you know, really lead. But then when it came to prayer meeting, you'd say, I have too much to study. Or I have too much to do. I'm too busy to go to you know, a weekly prayer meeting. And I remember thinking, I remember being kind of convicted, like, oh, man, like, I don't think this is the way it should be. And yet it kind of was. And I think it happens for all of us, right? When we live our daily life, you know, we say, oh, I, I want to spend time praying to God, but I'm too busy. I want to spend praying, praying to God, but I got, I got to do this, or I'm tired. And, and we have all, a lot of excuses, but we see a churcher devoted, not just praying because they felt guilty or they had to, devoted to the prayers, where they were praying both in the temple, when they would come together, they would attend the temple, right, and they would just corporately you know, go together and pray together, but also they would be breaking bread in their home. So like in both small group settings and large group settings, what are they doing? They are praying. They're praying. But not only are they praying, so verse 47, they're praising God. They're worshiping. So here is a church that is meeting both corporately, right, in the temple, right, they're excited to meet together and to praise the Lord, but also to pray, but also they're meeting in these homes, Right, individual homes also praising God, right? breaking bread together, but also praying together as a church. You know, so I, one, of the, you know, one of the things I really do enjoy about our worship service is that we do set aside a time to pray, you know, for silent prayer. And so not only do we have you know, these corporate prayers right, where we have people praying you know, for the prayer for grace and the offering prayer and things like that. But also, yeah, we do have a time as a church to come together to pray. I know it's not a very long time, but it, you know, it's encouraging to me to know that every week during service we have time to pray. But I, you know, but I pray, I hope, that as a church, both individually, when we're in our homes, at our work, driving, that we will be people that are praying without ceasing, right? That we're praying with prayerful hearts, but also that we will be a church, that even corporately would desire to pray about it, that we will be a church also that would love, enjoy, cherish, praising God together as a church, worshiping the Lord, thinking about how great He is, and that will be part of our church life, that will be part of our desire. But when I look at, you know, these devoted to teaching, devoting to fellowship, devoting to the bread, the prayers, you know, what's the key, right? Like, like, why are they able to be so devoted? And I think for me, I look at verse 43, and I'm very encouraged by how it starts. It says, and all came upon every soul, right? Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, right? And that's so focusing on the wonders and signs here. Um, I think the wonders and signs by the apostles were done just to really, in connection with their teaching, right, to show who they were. But we see the awe that comes into every soul, right? They're praising God. They're having favor, obviously, with the people. And, you know, the Lord is adding to their number, right? We see a church that's healthy, that's growing, that's vibrant, and, you know, and people are coming to the, you know, into the church and being saved. But in the middle of all that, we see awe. Why? Because they're amazed by Christ, right? Before the fellowship, before this passes, what do we see? We see a sermon, 
But Peter, who's talking about Christ, talking about our Savior who was crucified for our sins. And this early church, they're devoted. Right? They're devoted to the Word of God. They're devoted to the fellowship. They're devoted to praying and all this. Why? Because they were in awe. They're in awe because they're realizing who they are. Right? They are sinners. They are sinners with no hope. It doesn't matter if they were Jew or Gentile. Right? They are sinners without hope, condemned. And then what happens, right? The Father sent his one and only Son. Christ came into the world. Christ went to the cross. He died the death that his people deserve. He died. He rose again. And is now ascended. He has given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as they know more and more of who Christ is, how can they not be in awe? How can they not be amazed by that grace, by that love? And so this church, they are in awe of God. They're in awe of the gospel message. And being in awe, they devoted themselves to learning more about Christ, to wanting to know more about what the Word of God has to say to them. They are devoted, being in awe, to fellowship and blessing and loving each other as Christ has loved them. They are devoted to the breaking of the bread and to being reminded again through the communion what Christ has done. And they are devoted to worship God as they think about what Christ has done, as they think about the cross. And they are devoted to praying and to being dependent upon him. And so my hope, my prayer, is that as the church of Christ, that we would be in awe Right? We would sing songs like the wonder of the cross, right? that we would never lose the wonder, that we would be in awe, and we would say, Lord, we love you. We are so blessed by you, and we want to be devoted to you. We want to be devoted to your teaching. We want to be devoted to worshiping you, to praying to you, and we want to be devoted to loving this family that we have in Christ this fellowship, as we know all that you have done for us. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you and we praise you. Father, we look at this, this picture of the early church, this picture of the church that was just devoted to your teaching, that was just devoted to the fellowship, that was devoted to the breaking of bread, that was devoted to prayer and worship of you, this early church that was in awe of you. And we pray that we, as your church, will be amazed, will be in awe of you, that we will be devoted to these things, that we will continue to grow as a church, and that we will be a church that truly exalts you, that truly desires to study your word and is fully dependent upon you. We thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.